Friends, will you pray with me this morning? By your spirit, O God, still our restless spirits and unstop our ears. Let us hear your word that it may be at work in us for the sake of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from 1 John 3, verse 1 to 3. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, as many of you may know, my husband and I are expecting our first child. And we recently worked through the process of finding our name for a baby. What a process. I don't think I ever realized how much meaning could be tied to a name or how many crazy reasons I had for not naming our child some name. Perhaps you've heard the saying, you don't know just how many people you dislike until you try to name your child. I've got to say, it's true. <laughs> After all, you can't possibly have your name, your child share a name with a teacher you didn't like or with the kid who bullied you in school, or that weird extended relative, we all know that what you are called matters. Our names say something about our identity. Even Proverbs speaks to the importance of our names, saying a good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. We care how people spell our name, what nicknames people call us, whether we maintain our maiden name after marriage or we take on a new married name, because what we are called matters. And here this morning, this Sunday on All Saints Day, 1 John 3 calls us something profound. Children of God. Verse 1 says, See what love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The NRSV translation starts with this word, see. While other translations begin with the passage saying, Look at the love the Father has given us. These translations suggest that this love of the Father is something that you can actually see. The love that God has given us is not some abstract philosophical thing or some fuzzy feel-good words that we just throw around. It's something concrete and visible. I love the way the NIV translation speaks of this love in an even deeper way. By translating verse 1 as, How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. You see, to lavish love on someone is to bestow love in generous or extravagant quantities. God doesn't just love us, God lavishes love on us. 
And in doing so, God calls us children of God. How phenomenal is it that God takes us in our sinfulness, in our mistakes, in our mess, and bestows the amazing gift of love on us, calling us children of God. Now, just to make sure that we really understand what it means for God to call us children of God, the author of 1 John drives his point home saying, and that is what we are. Being called children of God is not just this title that can be won or lost. It's not a fleeting name. God calls us children of God, and that is what we are. It's our identity. And yet, there are times when we call ourselves something different. Perhaps you found yourself at the end of a rough day, seem to come more often than not these days, calling yourself a bad mother, a bad father, a bad wife, a bad husband, a bad daughter, a bad son, a bad friend, a bad employee, or a bad boss. Maybe you've even felt like it's more than a name. It's who you are. You are just a rotten, no good so-and-so. Friend, it's here that I want to remind you of what you are actually called of who you really are. You are a child of God. You are not called a child of God because of any one thing you have done or not done. You are called a child of God because the God of creation loves you on your good days and on your bad. Our God's way of lavishing love on us is not to call us names filled with shame, but to call us names that are filled with glory. We are children of God. And get this. 1 John tells us that this is just the beginning. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. We get to hold on to this present reality and truth that it talks of in 1 John, that we are children of God, and we live with the hopeful expectation that the best is yet to come, and we don't even fully know what that is. Paul puts it like this in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Are you ready? You are a beloved child of God, and what God has in store for his children is even better. But wait, there's more. You see, when God calls us children of God, it's not just about you and me. In calling us children of God, God invites us into the family of God. When our child is born, he will receive the first and middle names that we have picked for him, and he will also receive our last name, our family name, Thomas. This last name shows that this child is not just one individual but that he is a part of a larger family and a history. 
This is what happens when God calls us children of God. It points us beyond our individualism, signaling to us that we are part of a larger family and a history. See, most of us tend to skip over the long genealogies listed in the Gospels or the endless lists of tribes and sub-tribes in the historical books of the Old Testament. As lists of names, they don't seem to offer us anything profound. And we do the same with our own genealogies. Many of us have a pretty hazy sense of our own family history. And yet, reading this passage in 1 John on All Saints Day, we are reminded of the spiritual power that is captured in biblical genealogies and in our own genealogies. You see, these genealogies are about a communion of saints. And look, they are not lists of purely saintly people. After all, the biblical genealogies includes Rahab, the prostitute. It includes Samson, the man conquered by his lust for Delilah. And it includes Jephthah, the judge who sacrificed his own daughter to make good on a promise. When we recite the Apostles' Creed in church, we assert our firm belief in the communion of saints. That is the fellowship of all believers, both living and departed, both saintly and not. The communion of saints is not reserved for those with the title of saints like Augustine or Francis of Assisi or Monica of Hippo. It is not reserved solely for the men and women who showed notable faithfulness and commitment to the advancement of the kingdom. Margaret Bendroth remarks in her book, The Spiritual Practice of Remembering, that the communion of saints is not a cloud of perfection or an undifferentiated mass of the living and the dead, but something far more incomprehensible. It's the infinite array of personal experiences and convictions, talents and achievements, sins and failures that make up the human race across time and space. 1 John 3 offers us this morning a working definition of saints as those who are children of God. To be a saint simply means that we live in the same love by which God loved us. As children of God, we are invited into this larger family of God, the communion of saints. We're going to even share at this table later this morning. In the midst of over eight months of quarantine, isn't this the good news that we need to hear? We have faced the loss of our church community. While undoubtedly we have been able to worship together online, we can attest that it feels like a poor substitute to worship on our own at home in front of a screen without being able to stand alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's easy for us to feel alone and isolated, even as I stand here preaching to you, but with empty pews in our church. But dear friends, as people of faith, we are invited into this family. We may feel the depths of isolation in quarantine, but brother and sister, you are not alone. Whether we are able to see each other or not, you are a part of our family of God. 
As children of God, we are part of the priesthood of all believers, the communion of saints. We join the company of God's people of every age and generation. Hebrews 12 verse 1 tells us why being a part of this family is so important. It says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. On March 9th, 2014, I experienced the truth of this verse. I decided to run for the first time in the LA Marathon. I was set to run 26.2 miles for the first time alongside my running partner and friend, Sally. I gotta tell you, the energy was electric. I was pumped. We weren't fast, but we were trucking along and I was loving it. We hit five miles, 10 miles, 15 miles. We were pushing along like it was our day job. Then all of a sudden, excruciating pain shot through my knees. It felt as if bone was rubbing against bone with every step. And we were 20 miles in. There were still six miles to go. At the rate we were running, that meant another hour of running on failing knees. I wasn't sure if I could make it. And I didn't want to let my running partner down, so I told her to leave me and finish the race on her own. She refused. Whether we would walk or crawl across that finish line, she would do it with me. And so we soldiered on. I cried and cried as we walked and ran, pushing through the pain. <clears throat> Every moment of those last six miles, she stayed by my side and cheered me on. Strangers had filled the sides of the race, shouting words of encouragement and holding these motivational posters. Sally kept reading the posters out to me. Keep going. You've got this. You are strong. In the last few yards toward the finish line, when I could see it in the distance, I gathered whatever energy I had left in me and just ignored the pain and sprinted to that finish line. It was there that strangers and friends gathered around to congratulate us and others who had finished the race for making it to the end. I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt that I could not have finished that marathon without my running partner, my friends, and the strangers on the side of the road cheering us on. I believe that this is what it is for us to be surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses to be surrounded by the communion of saints. Friend, as a child of God, you join the race, surrounded by partners, friends, family, and strangers, cheering you on as you run with perseverance the race marked out for you. Today, on All Saints Day, we acknowledge that great cloud of witnesses as the communion of saints. We remember them, both the living and the dead. We remember those who have gone before us, cheering us on. You are a child of God. That is what you are. As children of God, you are invited into the family of God, the communion of saints. 
you have a great cloud of witnesses around you as you run this race, cheering you on every step of the way. Let us remember them today.